0: Hi, everyone, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church here in Chicago, Illinois, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you might go. Today, what we're doing is we're actually finishing our true contentment series with a message entitled, True Contentment in a Faith That You Finally Own. And today is what is known on the church calendar as Pentecost Sunday. 50 days after the time that we honor the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. As Jesus death and resurrection provided humanity an opportunity to be reconciled with God, what happened at Pentecost provided the engine for that reconciliation to literally wrap itself around the globe. Last week we spoke about the international spread of Christianity through a living faith. Today, we're talking, going to talk about how that expansion takes place through a faith that you can own. So for that purpose, we're going to focus on this statement that true contentment comes when we finally own our faith. We're going to talk about this in three parts. We're going to talk first about a borrowed faith. We're going to talk secondly about a faith that you own. And then finally, we're going to talk about a savior to whom we actually belong. So we're going to do this by looking at the historic ministry of the Israeli prophet Elisha. We're gonna move on a hundred years later to the words of another Israeli prophet named Isaiah. Then we're gonna look at the charge that Jesus gave to the New Testament church. And then finally, we're going to look at some of the words that the apostle Paul wrote, all of which point to a faith that we can own. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. God, we thank you that you are the triune God, father, son, and Holy Spirit. God, we're praying that today you would help us by your word to embrace the fullness of who you are in Jesus mighty name. Amen. All right. So if you have a Bible today, let's open to second Kings chapter six. We're going to start in verse one, talking about a borrowed faith. It says this, now the sons of the prophets said to Elijah, see the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan and each of us get there a log and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, go. Then one of them said, be pleased to go with your servants. So he, meaning Elijah answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his ax head fell into the water. And he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he, meaning the son of the prophet, reached out his hand and took it. Now, this is one of those scriptures that will really have to depend on God's revelation and also the totality of scripture to get the meaning of. We're gonna start with understanding that the sons of the prophets were the company of gifted ministers who were learning to minister in their prophetic giftings, offices, and callings together. They were being trained by a seasoned prophet named Elisha who himself had been mentored by another Israeli prophet named Elijah, so that Elisha might be able to walk in the anointing of Elijah's ministry. They ministered about 800 plus years prior to the arrival of Jesus Christ. Now, from this, we can immediately know that we also should have people with whom we are growing in the gifts, ministry, and call of God on our lives. The question needs to be, Asked and answered by you, who are those people for you? Now, as the sons of the prophets were being trained together, they were concerned about expansion. And it's natural to want to grow and expand in your personal life, in your career, in your faith, and in your relationships. Obviously, the most important relationship being that of your relationship with God. And to be sure, ungodly discontent is always talking about what you don't have rather than thanking God for what you actually do have. Or in relationships, it's always thinking about what people haven't done for you rather than being grateful for what they have. There is, however, also a place of godly desire for growth when your ambition is aligned with the heart of God and leads to the expansion of Christ's kingdom. This is a heart that says there is more to be done for the glory of God and whatever way that I can be a part, I want to be. Now, sometimes this desire is actually being stirred by God himself, who's trying to expand us and bring us into something new. Like the meeting place of the prophets, though, the things to which you've been giving yourself may actually at this point be too small. And they most certainly are if they're not being utilized as vehicles to serve God's objectives of eternal value. An Explore God article shed light on the nature of our desires. It said that some religions, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, suggest that desire is the explanation for all human suffering. But Christians believe the problem is found not in desire itself, but in the human heart. Our hearts seek the fulfillment of our desires in all the wrong places. Puritan pastor Jeremiah Burroughs put it this way, that the reason why you have not got contentment in the things of the world is not because you have not got enough of them, but because they are not things proportionable to that immortal soul of yours that is capable of God himself. And this is the focus of our day that God himself, by the Holy Spirit, comes to make a home in you and come on you in power so that you can be a witness. Now again, the place where the sons of the prophet were meeting was too small. And God foreshadowed the expansion of his kingdom 700 years prior to the arrival of Christ. The Israeli prophet Isaiah spoke about by the Holy Spirit about Jesus the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 49. In verse 6 it actually says that it is too light a thing there's isaiah speaking on behalf of god it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of jacob and to bring back the preserved of israel i will make you as a light for the nations that that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So God was talking about his kingdom expanding beyond the people of Israel to the Gentiles, to the rest of the people of the earth through his gospel. And when Jesus spoke about this expansion, he said that he intended the spread of the gospel to take place by the baptism and power of the Holy spirit. Now, if you're unfamiliar with these terms, they're biblical terms, and we see them actually referenced by Jesus himself when he was speaking in the early history of the church. The historian Luke, who also penned the Gospel of Luke, records it this way. In Acts chapter one, he said, in the first book, O Theophilus, and that first book was referring to the Gospel of Luke that he had also penned. He said, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He meaning Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water. It's a baptism of repentance that many of you, when you came to Christ, you were baptized in water. This is what Jesus is referring to you. He says for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, otherwise known as immersed with the Holy Spirit. Now, when some of you hear this, you may balk at that statement from Jesus, yet we should remember the words of Billy Graham during his 1973 outreach to apartheid late in South Africa, when he said that Christianity is not a white man's religion. And don't ever let anybody tell you that it's white or black Christ belongs to all people. He belongs to the whole world. And in the same way, the person and power of the Holy Spirit is a promised inheritance to all Christians who believe God's word. You need to know that amongst other things, the baptism in the Holy Spirit to which Jesus refers is vital because it provides the boldness that believers require as they humbly serve as witnesses to the truth claims of Christ's identity and work, even as portions of the world vehemently reject his benevolent exclusivity. Now when considering this phenomenon, it's good to ask this question, do I have this loving boldness operating in my life to be a witness for Jesus? If not, it may mean that you need to be filled, whether for the first time or fresh, with the power of God's Holy Spirit. As the Apostle Paul exhorted in Ephesians 5.18, he said, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled in an ongoing manner with the Spirit. So to even think about participation in such an activity though, necessitates a discussion concerning borrowed faith versus an own faith. And a borrowed faith like the axes that the sons of the prophets were using in the encounter with Elijah can be useful at the beginning. It can come from family, friends, or the community in which you live. However, if you simply rely on someone else's faith in Jesus, then that which you are using when tested can be lost. How often have you seen people go out into the world, challenged by the alternative ideas and lifestyles to which they were previously unexposed, end up losing the borrowed faith on which they were standing? It happens more often than we'd like, and it's because people do not do what is necessary to take ownership of their faith. Now, when the work of the, on the expansion of the meeting place of the sons of of the prophets was to begin, Elijah was invited to oversee the work and no one needs to be a lone ranger in pursuit of the truths of God. You have God given teachers and authority for a reason. Yet you still need to ask the question, how do I know if I merely have a borrowed faith. Well, you know that you have a borrowed faith if you're just repeating the things that you've heard all your life without having ever really searched out God in the scripture to allow the Bible to speak for itself. This can present obstacles to growth both for you as an individual and for the church. Now, when considering Pentecost specifically, we need to ask, Has the church lost an axe head that was sharp and meant to cut through the firmly rooted trunks of disbelief in our culture by the power of God? My testimony of coming to Jesus suggests the great benefit of this sharp axe. Prior to being a Christian, I, I didn't grow up in the church and I think that at best I would have been considered a skeptic and at worst a mocker actually of the faith. But when I was encountered with the power of God, what happened was I was opened in my heart, in my mind to the truths of God found in God's word. And as the gospel was preached to me, following that power encounter, I was able to establish myself in the truth of God's word. And I'm living in that word today. It was something that reflected what a uh, theologian and old pastor A.W. Tozer actually said about the operation of the Holy Spirit in the church world today. He said that if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Why? Because we're just programmatic all the time. We don't actually depend on the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. We just do things by methodology. He went on to say that if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Now, what an indictment that is. But all we see in scripture is that Christ's goal for every believer is to become intimately acquainted with the third member of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. And when we are, this empowers us to own our own faith. Now you feel, will find true contentment when you take ownership in your faith. Yeah, we have to ask the question, how do I work with God to take ownership in my faith? Well, we find clues in the celebration of Pentecost and the very day of Pentecost commemorates the expansion of God's kingdom to the nations, and this is God's purpose to bring salvation to the world that he loves. Pentecost actually has its roots in the annual Jewish convocation of the Feast of Weeks, where no other work was to be done. Author Jeff Oliver explained it this way. He said exactly 50 days after Passover is the Jewish Feast of Weeks, which begins on Pentecost. The word Pentecost simply means 50th day. This festival commemorates the descent of Moses from Mount Sinai when God gave his law, meaning the old covenant to the children of Israel. This event occurred 50 days after Israel's Exodus from Egypt. The Feast of weeks was also a celebration of the grain harvest and offering of first fruits to God. It was a season of great jubilation and celebration. Likewise, exactly 50 days after Christ delivered God's people from both bondage and death on the cross, you guessed it, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven and ushered in a new covenant and a new season of harvest and joy began, which is known as the church age. Now, what we must know is that before God expands us, He usually slows us down in some way to reflect and pray. This is what happened with the disciples prior to Pentecost. And this is what has happened to us as a result of the pandemic. In Acts chapter one, verse 12, it said that they returned to Jerusalem after the ascension of Jesus from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room. So they were in a house and they went to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. These were the 11 remaining apostles of Jesus after Judas has committed suicide after his betrayal of Jesus. It says all of these were, uh, with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and he addressed them. Now, this was a time of prayer, preparation and reorganization for God's kingdom expansion to come. And even in this shutdown, we see this to be true as going virtual has not caused us to go backwards, but has actually expanded the reach of the global church of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to study actually the book of Acts, an early account of the history of the church. And there you will see that the gifts of God were released to the followers of Jesus when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Throughout the scripture, we find that This is an important point that sound theology was meant to lead to an experience of the realities of Christ. God never meant doctrine to be an end in and of itself. And this is what we see reflected in Acts chapter two, when they finally get to the day of Pentecost, starting in verse one, it said, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house, a house where they were sitting. Just like you and I are in a house today and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, the 120. And they were all filled with the Holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now there were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven and at the sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and astonished saying are not all these who are speaking galileans and how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language Parthians and Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? So we see that the power of the Holy Spirit came on them. They were baptized, immersed in the power of God's Holy Spirit. The result was signs and wonders walking, working through them so that they were able to declare in the nation's own languages the wonders of God so that they were opened up to hearing the truths of God and wondering, what does this mean? So just like my story, they, by the power, encountered the power of God, and then were now opened up to receiving the gospel of God. And Peter took advantage of that by preaching the word. And it culminated with the apostle Peter, not only preaching the word, but God birthing the New Testament church. In verse 36 of chapter two, it went on to say that Peter was preaching and said, let all the house of Israel therefore know and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So we see that the result was that the people's hearts were open, they were cut to the heart, they received the gospel and about 3000 were added to their number that day. So we must ask this question, what are we to do if this is the gospel account this is the our early history of the church and this is god's prescription for what jesus himself said he's looking for what are we to do if we are unexposed or have lost these truths what if better yet what are we to do if we've had bad experiences with caricatures of what god actually intended well what we're to remember is that god's solution for abuse is not disuse, but proper use. And if you've had questions about God, you can go to someone who is actually walking with God and knows his word to help you find answers. We'd love to do that for you. You don't wanna make your first option though to go to an antagonist of God the Holy Spirit to get your answers about how to actually walk with him. This would be like if I heard something deriding about you on social media and instead of talking to your close family and friends to find out who you really are, I instead speak only to the person who's trolling you online. And even worse, I never speak to you. I would at best walk away with a negatively tinged perspective of who you are and more than likely choose to have nothing to do with you why because quite frankly that's easier and that's what people do with interaction or the person of the holy spirit all the time has anyone ever done that before themselves how often are we guilty of treating the holy spirit even one another that way what you can do though what god's solution though is is you can learn from those who are faithful to the word of god and can help you develop your own faith in God's miracle power. The key is that when the sons of the prophets lost the ax head and needed a miracle, they went to Elijah who had a history with miracles. That makes sense, doesn't it? You go to the person who's had a history with the very thing you're trying to learn to walk in. They did not go to someone who was opposed to miracles to see if a miracle could be done. Think about that. It would be like wanting to start a new business for yourself during the pandemic, but only speaking to someone who has solely worked a 9 to 5 job all of their lives. There's a beauty in how they may have been um, they've made a living and their faithfulness is to be commended. Yet you may not gather the entrepreneurial know-how from one who is committed to and only feels comfortable with that construct. Elijah, though, took a stick and being familiar and comfortable with miracles, went to the exact place where the borrowed axe head had fallen. And he threw the stick in and the axe head began to float by the power of God. He then told the prophet to pick up the recovered axe head. And God performs miracles when we allow the revelation of God's word, what's actually there right in plain sight in his word to infuse our understanding with new life. When we see something in the word of God that's missing in our walk with him, just like the son of the prophet, we need to go to that missing truth and pick it up. One of my favorite scriptures is Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 10. And the apostle Paul was going throughout the Roman Empire, establishing churches. And he went from one city called Thessalonica to another city called Berea. And it said that the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians because they received Paul's message with great eagerness. And yet every day examined the scripture to see if what Paul said was true. So what they literally did is they went from a borrowed faith from Paul to an own faith, a faith that they could own by searching out the truths of God in the scripture themselves. That's the same charge that God gives to us today. Now let's just say that we long for God to move mightily as he did in scripture. If this is so, may we study the word in a precepts manner, allowing the Bible to speak for itself regarding what God has done and can do again. In fact, what he wants to do and is willing to do. May we stay tethered to the text, laboring to unpack what is there, a discipline known as exegesis, rather than imposing our own interpretation or a borrowed faith onto the text, otherwise known as eisegesis. Then may we contend for what we actually see in scripture. And may we cry out to God as the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah for help when the ax head was lost. And then we get to discover what actually happens when we own our faith. And when we own our faith, we find our roles to help in the expansion of the kingdom. And every one of the sons of the prophets had a role. They each had a log to help build the expanded place. The question for us is, is have we picked up our logs? And what is your part to play in the expansion of God's kingdom? What are the gifts of God that he wants to release to you By the power of his Holy Spirit. If you're looking for a catalog of biblical options, we encourage you to read Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, and 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. And as you study these passages, the question is not whether these gifts are present and available. The question is whether you are owning your faith, obeying the admonition of scripture to be in pursuit of these things. Because when you are, you can confidently know that your trust is not in any man, but in Jesus, the living God, who is the savior to whom we actually belong. And what we'll find is that true contentment um, is the product of belonging to a benevolent savior, even as we own our faith. And if this is true, though, we have to ask, how are we supposed to live? Well, the apostle Paul exhorted us again in first Corinthians chapter six and in verse 19, he said, listen, you need to understand that you are not your own for you were bought with a price. The precious blood of Christ spilled for us on the cross. So glorify God in your body. And this posture of not being my own includes embracing the parts of God with which I'm not always comfortable. It includes laying down any borrowed thoughts and picking up any lost truths that I need from God's word. Just as Elijah was invited into the expansion project of the prophets, the Holy Spirit needs to be invited into all of our efforts. By itself, the ax head in Elijah's story sank. Leaving it there would have left their work unfinished as surely the owner of the ax would have wanted a return of his tool. God also wants a return on the tools that he's made available to us. So our efforts will remain incomplete without the intervention of Christ in the power of God's Holy spirit. When Elijah threw the stick into the water, God lifted the ax head to float and the stick that Elijah threw into the water foreshadowed the cross that can bring us into God's supernatural realities through the cross of Christ, God resurrects our drowning efforts, both in life and in ministry. I think this was perfectly exemplified in another one of Jesus encounters with his disciples in Matthew chapter 14, it said, immediately he, meaning Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. do not be afraid and this might be the place that many of us are in whenever we think about interacting with the person of the holy spirit we might have had a borrowed faith and therefore misinterpreted the things of god just like the disciples seeing him on the water thinking that he was ghosted saying this can't be of god this can't be the way that god interacts with us but jesus calming them by his word and saying It's me, don't be afraid, be at rest. I'm a benevolent savior and you belong to me. Now walk in my ways. But he went on with the apostle Peter and said this, it said, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you command me to come to you on the water. And he, meaning Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, He was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out lord save me and jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying to him you of little faith why did you doubt and when they got into the boat the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped him saying truly you are the son of god So what are we to learn from this? We're to learn that when Jesus literally enters the mix, we are lifted to do things that in the natural we could not do on our own. Jesus called Peter out onto the water and Jesus calls us into the power of the Holy Spirit today. We see that through the command given in Acts chapter one. So how am I to respond? I'm to humbly pursue Four things. Number one, I'm to pursue the precepts of God found in his word. Any act of faith that I have, I need to have a foundation and a basis in the word of God to make it valid and also acceptable as a sacrifice to God. Number two, I need to pursue the power of God given by the Holy Spirit, as Jesus commanded us in Acts chapter one, the baptism and power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for him. Number three, I need to pursue the people of God with whom I need to build. And then number four, I need to pursue the purpose of God, which governs my pursuits. And each of these pursuits helps us to answer these four life altering fundamental questions. Number one, have you received Jesus as of the Jesus of the Bible as Lord? If you haven't, Today is your day to come into saving faith in the living God. Number two, are you as a Christian continually being filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be a powerful witness for Jesus? That's his command. And again, it was the exhortation given by the Apostle Paul. Number three, are you committed to a church, a company of believers, with whom you're growing and then number four are you engaged in God's good work to see his gospel go to the nations this is his ambition 2,000 years ago it's his ambition today and until he makes his ultimate return so we see that Jesus paid for our sins on the cross so that through repentance and faith we could be forgiven of our wrongdoing And when you come to God, not on your own merit, merit, but by the merit of Christ, you now have access to God's supernatural power. The Holy Spirit is a gift, not just for the special, not just for the few, but he is the gift to all who would believe. So let's own our faith today and come into true contentment by the grace of Calvary and by the power of Pentecost. Now, for some of you who hear this message today, you may already be a Christian and say, you know what? I've lived with Jesus for many years now. I'm a born again believer, but you know what? I've never really felt that I've had power to be a witness for Jesus. But today I want to receive that. Well, the good news is, is that just as the 120 were in a home in the upper room, so you and I can meet with the living God today, not because we're in a religious sanctuary, not because we're in a church building, but because God hears us when we cry out to him according to his word to receive his promises. So if you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or even a fresh filling in the holy of the Holy Spirit today, would you pray this along with me? Father God, I admit to you that you are good in all seasons of my life. And I thank you for making me a new creation by the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in me. But I'm asking you today that you would come upon me also in power and fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit so that I could be a witness for you, not only in my family and in my friendship group, but also in my workplace and to the ends of the earth. God help me to be a useful tool in your hand unto your glory by the power of your Holy Spirit, according to your command in Jesus name, amen. And some of you might say to yourself, you know what? I have not yet been a Christian, but today I realize that I need the power of God's word and his Holy Spirit to break free from my destructive patterns of sin and rebellion against God that are really literally destroying my own life. And I want to come to Christ for that forgiveness today at the cross. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I've been far from you and I've been like the walking dead, dead in my transgressions and sins before you. And I know that I've by my own choice has been destroying my own life and I've deserved death and hell because of my rebellion against you. But I acknowledge today that Jesus lived the perfect life that I should have lived and on the cross died the death that I should have died. And three days later, because he was innocent, rose from the dead so I could have forgiveness and new life in him. I'm asking you to forgive me today and come and make me a new creation by the power of the holy spirit help me to love you and walk with you in that resurrection power as i serve jesus as lord from this day forward amen now here's the good news if you prayed that prayer sincerely god says that you are a new creation and we want to give you both resources and helps and how to take those next steps in your new life in Christ. So would you go with me to secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you could get connected with us and give us your information so that we could show you how to make this prayer that you just prayed a reality of an own faith in the living God. Let's go out into our weeks this week filled with the power of God's word and his precious Holy Spirit that empowers us to be a witness of his life, his death, and his resurrection from the dead. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We'll see you at community group this week, and we'll see you next Sunday at church. Please do bring a friend. Have a great week.